I am printing a um, Maltese Falcon. Oh. Yeah. That's going to take a while. We'll talk about it. There's okay. a story behind <laughs> it. Uh-oh. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. I'm I'm surviving the the uh, the deep freeze here in Florida. <laughs> it's uh, 57 today. Oh wow! A little chilly. Wow. How many layers do you have on? Uh none, because I haven't left the house. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually put on long pants today, or you're still in shorts? Uh, gym shorts. Oh. <laughs> I'll put long pants on if I go out. <laughs> Gonna do a Walmart run. Oh, there you go. There you go. You don't turn your heat on, do you? Uh, I actually did the other day because it was like 65 in the house. Oh, okay. So I goosed it up to 70. Nothing, nothing like that smell of burning dust when you turn on a heater. Uh, we had another couple of cold days a few weeks ago, so it's already been burned off. Oh, okay. I don't think I, living down there eight years, I don't think I ever turned my heater on. Really? Yeah. Yeah, if it got cold, I just got another blanket. Oh. Yeah. That was cheap. Apparently, I don't. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I was a cheap bastard in my younger days. I not so much now. Now I'm like, fuck it, turn the heat up. <laughs> how how cold did it get up by you? It was well. Last night it was in the low twenties. Uh, okay. Right now it's forty nine outside. Ooh. Um, spring. Yeah. So, but I mean, looking at looking at the weather for this week. Um, it's going to get up to 73 on Thursday. We're going to have multiple days in the eighties by the end of the week. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. Yay. Winter, I guess. Yeah. But it's weird because like normally up here in the winter, it tops out like today at about 50 and it's kind of chilly and shit. But yeah. this year it's like two days of this and then two days at like 78 and then a couple of days of this and then a week at like 74. Hmm. So, you know, global warming or whatever. I guess there were just tornadoes in like uh, eastern or western Georgia, I guess. Oh, really? Like the other night. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Heard a bunch of people or whatever. And that's kind of unheard of for this time of year, but you know, what are you going to do? So, yeah. 
But that sounds fun. It sounds nice and cozy. Sitting yeah. inside watching TV and exactly just waiting for the cold to go away. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Do you uh, do you watch the Golden Globes this year? I know there was not a lot of people who did. No, I've I haven't watched the Golden Globes in probably twenty years. Yeah. Do you, Do you watch the Oscars? I do watch the Oscars. Okay. Because those are legitimate. <laughs> you know, I mean, where else are you going to see Will Smith slap somebody? Well, that's true. I will say, I mean, it's nice that they awarded that award to, um, I'm going to butcher his name, and I apologize, Key Hugh Kwan. Yes, short round. Short round from, from Indiana Jones. I mean, his, his acceptance speech was profoundly heartfelt yes and it was like that's what this is about is showing these people recognition um and i don't i don't know if you saw everything everywhere all at once but it i still have not it is a very good film and he is a standout in it as is michelle yo who was who was recognized in the golden globes as well oh uh, she won Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy Motion Picture. I don't really think that Everywhere, Everything, All at Once is... It's not a musical, and I don't really think it's a comedy. But, I I mean, there have been years in the Golden Globes where, like, The Martian has won for Best Comedy, so... Yeah. Well, the know. Golden Globes are a joke. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this years ago, but... Yeah. It's whoever the Hollywood Foreign Press wants to hang out with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, did you watch it? Or no, did you just see the clip? I watched a couple of clips. Um, you know, I I know that there has been some tension between, like, Brendan Fraser and the Hollywood Foreign Press. And well, because... One of them yes. molested him yes. when he was a young actor. And so, look, lo and behold, he didn't win. And so yeah. it should just be this thing of, like, people need to look at the the Golden Globes and be like, I mean, and it was on, like, a Tuesday this year. Well, because nobody was going to air it. Yeah, so normally it's on a Sunday. Normally it's, you know, kind of like in prime time and like i mm-hmm. i literally did not know this had happened until the day after and i was like holy shit okay but yeah i mean it's nice the pinocchio one well the guillermo del toro pinocchio one right being that there were three last year have you seen all three did you see the paulie shore one no yeah paulie shore did a pinocchio film an animated oh, pinocchio jesus Oh, and his voiceover is the worst thing you've ever heard. <laughs> Does it sound like him? Yes. Okay. Yes. And there are times when he's doing the Pauly Shore voice and times when he's trying to do like an almost like an English accent. Hmm. And so like there's this one scene and I think it's in the trailer where um, he's talking to somebody and he's and for for this Pinocchio movie Pinocchio doesn't look like a wooden boy he okay. just looks like a dude it looks like a, a 3d model that they had sitting around that they said okay he's Pinocchio oh, 
And so he says in the clip, he's like, come on, we're going on a grand adventure. And then he like skips away and he's going skiddy, skada, skiddy. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? And yeah. Did you watch the whole thing? No, I saw. Oh, okay. Th- there's a, there's a, um, a show on Saturdays on YouTube, um, called artists react. And sometimes uh-huh. it's CG artists. Sometimes it's animators. Sometimes it's stunt people. Um, and they did a thing on all three, um, Pinocchio's. And so they show clips from it on that and they were ripping it apart, which is how I saw it. Hmm. Um, but they point out things like in the big budget Disney version of Pinocchio that during the, um, the whale scene, if you really pay attention to what's going on with Geppetto, Geppetto is being, has, has waves washed over him, but he's not getting wet. Because it's it's CG water. Okay. And so, like, you know, there it's this big budget film, um, you know, produced on a grand scale. And they do things like Pinocchio is pushing the boat and the boat is, like, ripping through the water. Hmm. And Jiminy Cricket is barely able to hold on and his legs are, like, flapping in the air. And it cuts to Geppetto, whose hair is kind of like, like there's a light breeze going through it. <laughs> and it's like, how did you not see this? Or did you just not care? And I'm sure they don't care. Cause um, was this? A, no, it was a, it was a cash grab. And Cause this was, was straight Disney to Disney thing. plus, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just happened to get Tom Hanks. Poor Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Disney's kind of under fire for visual effects anyway. Um, they are. Yeah. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, there is no, that's not the one I want to go to. Um, that's not the one I want to go to. Holy shit. Um, Disney more so though. Um, Marvel, I guess Marvel is not paying CG artists what their asking price is. Okay. Um, and there was an article here, if I can find it. Uh, so there is a veteran film uh, visual effects technician named Mark Patch, whose credits include Tenet and uh, Ghostbusters and American Gods and a bunch of like real high profile stuff. And okay. apparently he was approached by Marvel to work on a Disney plus uh, MCU project and uh, not only did the studio balk at him for his going rate but they demanded to first see a pay stub from his work on tenant proving his market value wow then undershooting his quote by several hundred dollars a week okay Um, but he still took the job no he didn't Oh, okay. He didn't. He then, then apparently they threw a non-disclosure in front of him that he wasn't even allowed to tell his family what he was working on or where he would go every day to work on it. Hmm. Um, and it, 
the short-term assignment where, where a typical superhero film has like 1600 shots mm-hmm. he was him and his team were being asked to work on 3000 visual effects shots on a shorter turnaround than they would get for like a a proper like motion picture and so he he turned it down he said no way um the the working conditions were 18 hours a day, seven days a week for three months straight. Okay. So, yeah. And this is becoming, this is becoming an issue in visual effects on a whole because there's not, there's not enough visual effects people to do the work that's slated, which is why start things are starting to look like shit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So like when you when you see a Marvel show or you see like the creature in Wednesday, the the hide that looks like a video game character. That's why because they're they don't have the time. There's, you know, 3000 effect shots to do. There's a growing number of what they're calling pixel fucking going on. <laughs> which is okay. which is basically um, shots being sent to oh Jesus here we go again now eh, where did he go oh you're back okay I didn't go anywhere yeah well <laughs> I, apparently I went for a ride um, but so okay. they're, so they're doing this thing where they'll complete a shot. And instead of this, the visual supervisor effect supervisor saying that's good, move on to the next one. It's got to go through a committee, and so they're mm. they're never getting done with the work because somebody up the cha- the chain, you know, ten people say it's great. The eleventh person says, "I want this done this way," and they they have to go back and do it. And they're not getting paid any extra. They're they're having to do it for whatever they bid for the job. Okay. So it's starting to get a little out of hand and now there's a lot of talk of um, unionizing those people so that big corporations can't take advantage of them anymore. Hmm. I guess IATSE is going to form a VFX arm that's going to like try to do watchdog stuff for the workers. That sounds weird. I mean, 18 hours a day, seven days be... a week, that's a lot. No, I mean, IATSE doing it. Oh, I, I mean, that's... that's. I mean, I could see thing. if it was more the Producers Guild or, you know, somebody connected to movies. Although I guess IATSE does a lot of movie stuff, but it's usually um, the practical stuff. <clears throat> well, maybe they're seeing that, know, that they can go after more. Lighting and props and... Mm. I mean, there, for them. there is an animation guild that, you know, I'm sure will help. Um, but, you know, who knows what there because the, there is a difference between being an animator and being like CG lighting or hard edge modeler or, you know, there's so many different disciplines in VFX. Right. That maybe the animation guild doesn't cover them all. Oh. And they figure IATSE, if they do it through a VFX arm, could be like, well, lighting would fall under us and, you know, virtual set building would be under us and that kind of stuff. 
All right. Well, good luck. Yeah. Yep. I don't know how we went from uh, Golden Globes to that, but okay. Uh, we didn't. We went from Golden Globes to Pinocchio. Oh, okay. Oh, and the shitty. Okay, and the the. Yes, and City CGI, and yes. Okay, I got it. All right, connecting the dots. I'll be all right. Caught up now. <laughs> uh, kinda. Okay. <clears throat> so I went back this week. Um, in my in my pursuit of watching films that I haven't watched in a long time. Um, I decided to go all the way back to 1941 and watch a little movie called the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Okay. Um, which prompted me to 3d print my own, which is all the noise in the background. Um, because I've always, I think the first time I saw the Maltese Falcon was in high school. Um, and I'd always wanted a Maltese Falcon and, um, very recently I went on a quest to find one that I didn't have to print. Um, okay. And all of the ones that are kind of affordable are not full size. Oh, they're okay. like four or five inches tall. And the one in the movie is like 11 oh. and three quarters tall or something. So yeah, that's about the size of mine. Yeah. And, and the last time I was over at your place, I had seen yours and I was like, God, I really want one. Um, so I wound up 3d printing my own, but the, the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's on HBO max and it is an interesting look into not only storytelling in 1941, but what they considered a good story. Okay. Because if I, if I pitched you the Maltese Falcon today, do you think it would get made? Uh, okay. So it's a crime drama. Right. But a mysterious artifact. Which does not show mysterious, up until right. 90% into the movie. Well, that's because it's the MacGuffin. Well, and I understand that. But... To, to paint the picture, like, so Sam Spade is this detective and he happens to have a partner and Sam Spade goes into work and a um, mysterious woman shows up with a story about a, um, a missing sister and she wants she wants Sam Spade and his partner to track him down and the partner is kind of attracted to her and is like I'll do it just give us the money and we'll go track him down or whatever and then the partner dies and Sam Spade his reaction is not I lost my partner it's not I'm grieving because like you know we're man down or whatever he literally walks up <laughs> to his receptionist and says get his desk out of my office and change all the signs on the building and that's as far as it goes is like grieving for his partner 
And then okay. the other part of it is he needs to have his partner's wife kept away from him because apparently he's been fucking her. And now that the partner's dead, he doesn't want anything to do with her. And I was like, this would not fly today. And I, and I know that like, that's the way shit was back then. But like Humphrey Bogart spends the entire movie. Like not really looking for the Maltese Falcon because it gets delivered to him. He spends the entire movie going back and forth between bad guys trying to negotiate for more money on who's he who he's going to give it to when he finally looks for it right and then it just kind of falls into his lap and then it's a fake and then all kinds of shit breaks off and then he decides that he's gonna do the right thing but it's just a weird like look at like what was constituted as a good story back then because like the Maltese Falcon is kind of like a classic. Right. So it's, it's just one of those things that like, when you look back at filmmaking of that time, what the story is considered would be like, uh, okay, that's, that's a little weird. Well, I mean, it's, it's based on a series of books about Sam Spade and that genre was very popular back then. And, um, yeah, I mean, for its day, it was a good movie. No, and and maybe I, maybe it needs a remake. Maybe we should do a remake. A remake of the Maltese Falcon. Yes. <laughs> but see, it would have to be more. If they were going to remake it today, it wouldn't be like this movie. He would be an Indiana Jones type of adventurer, who they come to to track down the Maltese Falcon and he That's has to go the African queen. Well, okay. Um, but like there would have to be action set pieces every 15 minutes. Sure. Well, I mean, it's just like remaking the 1960s oceans 11 for a contemporary audience. Yeah. It's, it's, borrowing the premise and the title but it's very different because movie going is very different than it was back then well yeah i think it's hard to compare something that we consider a classic with contemporary eyes well but i do think though that it's a good indication on where we've come from to where we are today for for storytelling Okay. Because you don't get you don't get like super long takes of two people talking anymore. You get No, cuz that's boring. You get coverage. You get we're going to do a wide, a medium, and a close up of each person and you're never going to sit on somebody for longer than 5 seconds and like all this kind of cinema. Like modern cinema doesn't really start until Citizen Kane and shallow depth of field and what they do in citizen Kane in order to the way it revolutionized filmmaking. Um, but anything before that you can look at and be like, this is a vastly different way of doing this. And you know, some of it's good and some of it's not. 
but I mean, objectively, we still look at like things like Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz. Sure. With and if you go back and dissect eyes. it, you know, you can, you know, you can find lots of fault. Well, I guess. <laughs> I think I, you know, I think part of the problem is. Have we had a classic recently? I mean, would you consider Titanic a classic? I wouldn't. What are your what is your classification for classic though? Like something uh, that we're going to be talking about in 70 years time? Yes. Star Wars? Okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay. Um Encino Man? <laughs> uh only only if Polly Shore is doing his Pinocchio voice. Okay. Um I don't I don't know besides and that's probably personal preference. Um but like when I think about movies that gripped society at the time I think I remember going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater when it came out and the theater erupting in applause at the end and like I can't really say that I've ever seen that since so I don't know I mean there's movies that I think will stay with me for for the rest of my life as far as like like my reaction to it and rewatchability and things like that but I don't think I don't think that there's anything that I would consider a classic that other people would consider a classic as well okay I mean, what do you, what's, what would you consider a classic? Uh, Mary Poppins, Back to the Future. Yeah, okay. Uh, the first Superman. Jaws? Jaws, yeah. Yeah, but see... I wouldn't consider Avatar a classic. No, I would. Put, but I would consider Public Enemy with Jimmy Cagney as as a classic, and that would not stand on its own today. Right. I mean, I think I think movies now, even like the original Jurassic Park, were they were technologically advancing the medium, just like Avatar. And I think that gets confused with being a classic. Okay. I mean, Jurassic Park was good. But at the end of the day, you know, is it on par with what would be considered a classic? And I don't know if that's true. Hmm. 
I mean, even even within the sci-fi genre, I think while I think of Empire Strikes Back as a better film than the first Star Wars. Right. I think Star Wars is more of a classic as opposed to its sequel. Well, are sequels classics? I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't call Temple of Doom a classic, would you? No. But what about Last Crusade? No, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't. Okay. Because I think Raiders Raiders is the more standout film. Okay. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I mean, you... you... <sighs> is a classic something that is consistently referenced in pop culture? Star Wars, Wizard of Oz, Jaws, things that, that you constantly... You know, I mean, a Casablanca... Right. You know, um, Maltese Falcon, it's the stuff the dreams are made of. Right. What about Top Gun? Is Top Gun a classic? Uh, okay, well, according to RogerDeber.com, um, there is now what's thought of of being the definition of classic gets broken down into um different different ideas so like the, in here they're talking about an iconic film and their example is pulp fiction uh, okay. a piece of work of, of popular art and they're they're uh, example is Titanic. A quotable film is Jerry Maguire. Uh, uh, top of the genre is A Room with a View. Most amazing, Children of Men. Um, you know, so they're saying that the the new classic isn't isn't just one thing. It is it's broken down into almost like it's it different categories. Well, I can see that because when you think back to the, the early days of movie making, you know, through the forties up to the fifties, there were only a handful of studios and directors. Right. There weren't all these indies. There weren't all of these studios that had kind of niche markets. Okay. So I think now, I mean, I think it's very hard to say, that something like the Maltese Falcon is a classic in the same vein as uh, uh, New York, New York. Okay. Because they're very different movies and we're now exposed to so many variations on a theme. Right, right. And and the going down in the article, it also talks about um, knowing classics the moment that they saw no country for old men broke back mountain Chinatown. Um, then 
having something called mainstream classics, which is like Taxi Driver and This Is Spinal Tap and Dazed and Confused and The Big Lebowski. Um, you know, and like some of those fall more into like the quotable movies than like, you know, iconic. And some of those are iconic. So like, So, okay, further down there, they're also including Moulin Rouge and Pretty Woman and Gladiator. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. Maybe I'm hung up on the fact that, like, when you say classic, we are talking old Hollywood. <clears throat> And we don't have the same star system that we did then. No, not at all. And we don't have the same same type of studio system. So, I mean, I could see... Uh, you know, something like um, Gone with the Wind. It's about slavery. It's about a war that was, you know very controversial we were at war against ourselves um cinematically it's got some sort of importance right but i don't know if any of the emotion of the story carries on past your viewing of the movie right I can. and i've that. only seen it once i've only seen it once okay because it's a long ass movie <laughs> yeah you don't like settle in on a Friday night to you know once a year to watch with like a thing of popcorn no no (laughs) no I mean it's kind of like it was it was a good movie first right but I don't see I don't see any need to watch it over and over again but if like Raiders of the Lost Ark is on cable and I'm flipping channels I will stop and watch it right same thing with Star Wars. Well, I think that goes to what's a classic for you. Sure. You know, I think everybody has their own list. Everybody has that that group of movies that they'll stop and watch no matter what. Um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like Shawshank Redemption and um, Goodfellas and things like that are, are those movies that I will stop and watch whenever they're on TV. Okay. Um, you know, are those considered classics? I don't know, but they make up the DNA of what I think makes a good movie. And okay. so maybe, maybe that's, that's what it. it. Maybe is. a classic is something that's, that's very personal to people. Yeah. And I guess, I guess when a group of people are like, we really like this movie and have a, have a pop culture consensus about it. That becomes a classic. Mm -hmm. I think we defined it. Well, there you go. Holy shit. Wow. So, so it's talking about something that's not going to be a classic. Okay. Um, did you watch the finale of Willow? I did. And what do you think? Yeah. 
Willow is still a jerk. Uh, yep. I mean, he he does end up joining them at the end, but <clears throat> there's still not a lot of reason to like him as a character. And now we're going to do the whole Dark Ray scenario where there's a an evil Elora working. Yeah. You know? Look, I like the dude from Spider-Man. I thought the Tony Ravioli. T- yeah. <laughs> I thought he was, I thought he, you know, getting a chance to act and like pushing himself. This was great. I, I liked him way more than I liked him in the Spider-Man films. Um, but it would have been so much better if his sacrifice had actually amounted to anything and not be suddenly brought back to, I guess, sure. Be the work with the worm or whatever the hell they were talking about. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would have much rather seen them resurrect Bivmorta. Yeah. In her in her original form. And like this whole thing with the crone and the guy with the cage on his head and it's like, okay, I'm I'm not really uh invested in this that much i mean because they never really fought them like like if they had been constantly running from those guys and like they were kicking their ass at every turn and like they were like i don't know how we're gonna get out of this and then alora's got to summon the magic deep down in order to defeat everybody like that probably would have been a better take on whatever the fuck this was it felt like they were trying to move the plot along so quickly, but at the sacrifice of characters. Yeah. Like, you know, what if, what's his name, Boromir? Borman? Borman, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, what if, what if his old tribe ended up working with them and they ended up part of the quest, but they just, like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, they're gone. Now we're in the, the Shattered Sea, and that's a totally different location and totally different place to be. And it's like, but you in eight episodes, you didn't give us the opportunity to love any of these characters. Right. All you did was was make them seem all like assholes. Yeah. At every turn. There was nobody where I was like, I'm kind of rooting for you. Not even a Laura Dannon. No. Like. it's just there were just a bunch of whiny characters and at the end of the day it was like why should I root for any of you right why is this called Willow when he's the most unlikable character out of the group Mm -hmm. like I guess it was just for name recognition or whatever but goddamn, man yeah and we're getting a second season are we really I mean, That's what I, heard. I know they teased it, but then I also read something that the showrunner was begging Lucasfilm to give them a second season and Lucasfilm hadn't said anything yet. Oh, maybe they'll just let it die like She-Hulk. Oh, man. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I don't see anything that says that they definitely have a season two. Oh. Willow writer Jonathan Kasdan shares his hopes for season two um, and begging Lucasfilm execs to, 
I guess, make it. Mm. I mean, they only they only did this to themselves. Um. Yeah. I mean, all the weird choices that they made. Well, and the music. It's the like, music. why did it end with Money for Nothing by Dire Straits? I I pointed that out. I was like, there's some real questionable lyrics in that song. Yeah. Um, and we're using that as the outro to Willow, which makes no sense in a fantasy environment. I mean, none of the music made sense. No. In a fantasy environment. And it was like, okay, we're, well, you know, we're going to do Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden or, or Inner Sandman by Metallica. And it we're just going to run with it. And that's going to be the hook. And it's like, that's not what people want. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't get it, man. Yeah. Some very weird choices. I mean, I'd like to see Warwick Davis, you know, act and get to do the stuff that he wants to do, but I just don't, I, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, they tried to tell the story or to expand on the story. And I feel as, as you know, as woke as we are, if they had cast somebody else as the real Mad Mardigan and that were part of the story, I think it could have gone further. <clears throat> well, I mean, it could have been Mad Mardigan is missing. And you see him from the back in the very last shot. Well, no, but we've decided to go on a quest to find the twins dad. And we need Willow because Willow is magic and he might be able to figure out where he is. Um, and they could have either done like Luke Skywalker where they deep faked it. or something and brought Mad Mardigan back for the final episode. It would have had more impact. Yeah. Yeah, They sat down in a writer's room and said, here's the characters that we have access to. Here's the ones that we don't. What do we do with this? And they said, they need to go on a quest to the ends of whatever earth they're on to find something. Okay. Well, what is that? What if Alora doesn't remember who she is? Okay. But why do they have to go on the journey? Uh, what if Sorsha and Mad Mardigan's son disappears and his twin sister has to go find him. But it turns out that the son is, is ha, ha, has a relationship with the girl that is Laura Dannon that doesn't know she's Laura Dannon. And then she tags along. And then they just rounded out the characters behind that. And it was like, that's not the story that anybody wanted to tell. Right. I mean, there's fan service and then there's like telling a good story and they didn't even do fan service. Well, no. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I kind of am glad that this this might only be a one season thing. Yeah. Just let it die and just be like, hey, you tried. <laughs> right. You tried. There's going to be more Star Wars stuff for, for Warwick to be in. 
Yay. Because <laughs> really, that's what, peop- that's what people are, are screaming about is we want to see more Warwick. Well, I do. Do you? Yeah. Well, look, right, in the right environment, he's a decent actor and he can be funny. Sure. Oh, definitely. He's just got to pick the right things. Yeah. You know, that thing that he did, um, Life is Short in England with uh, Ricky Gervais? Yes. That was funny. Uh-huh. That was a good TV show. He just needs to do more shit like that. Right. Are you caught up with National Treasure? Yeah. You're not not enjoying it anymore? It's such lazy writing, man. It's it's popcorn. It is. It is. And as we talked about last week, I just want a little bit more. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Meat to the adventure bone. Like, I'd like it to be a little bit more. I'd, I'd like for the reveals not to be telegraphed so far out. Okay. In this episode, Catherine Zeta-Jones is pretending to be on the same side as the main girl. Mm-hmm. And they go, she goes along with it for a while, I guess, to get her hands on the boxes or whatever. But, like, the entire time, they're painting the other dude as the bad guy. Trying right. to make the audience doubt everything that's happened up till now. And I was like, but they've already shown that Catherine Zeta-Jones is working for another group of people mm-hmm. that want the boxes and the treasure for themselves. I know the audience knows that and the main chick doesn't, but they're trying to cast doubt in the minds of the audience for everything that's happened so far. And it just doesn't work. And I the, the entire time I was like, please tell me she's not falling for this. This is obviously like they made the redheaded like muscle chick. They made her likable for this one until she didn't right. have to be anymore. Like, you know, they're on the plane and they're all getting along and they're all solving clues. And it all seems like one big happy family. And it's like, this is not this is not the way this is going to turn out. And they telegraphed this fucking weeks ago. And so, like, there's just no weight to it. And I don't know, like, for for something like National Treasure, where it's supposed to be clues and finding shit, and, like, there's this whole thing about the Alamo and the the well at the Alamo, and I was like... Mm -hmm we're wasting a whole bunch of time on this. Like they even go as far as sending the main chick down the well to find the box when she knows it's not there. And I was like, okay, I I don't understand what's happening anymore. I don't know. It just, it seems like lazy writing. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, I, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I like the whole stringing these clues together to get to a certain point. But I also feel that it's really not 
making the most of its two predecessors? No. By trying to do things so differently. No. And when you look at, like, in comparison, um, the Mysterious Benedict Benedict Society Mm -hmm. had a season two recently where there were a bunch of mysteries that needed to be solved, which was just handled so much better. And I think that's my problem. I think because we watched that first and then went to national treasure, like there's a stark contrast where it's like, okay, they did it so much better. These people are being lazy with it. And it's hard to watch, sit there and watch and just be like, not pick it apart. So I don't know. I think that's my problem. Okay. I will say that Catherine Zeta Jones is much better in this than Wednesday. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're actually, but I guess that wouldn't, that wouldn't take much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you watching Doom Patrol? Yes. Are you caught up? Yes. Okay. This is a very interesting season. <laughs> yeah. It's got these, like, centerpiece episodes that are kind of odd. You know, the the whole one where Rita is, is sucked into her movies. Uh-huh. And, um... <clears throat> The, the drag queens in the, the trailer park. Yeah. I mean, there. one of the things that I like about Doom Patrol is they are not afraid to lean into the wacky shit from comic books. They are just like, we're going to have a dance number with dancing and singing asses. We're going to do, <laughs> you know, we're going to do this whole thing about Danny, the, the ambulance and Danny, the ambulance turns into the, to the weird drag park and stuff like that. And like, they're just leaning into it to get to their story. And I love that about doom patrol. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely think that this, this is a little bit more reaching than they've done in the past. Like, they were trying to do more mainstream stuff in order to keep people interested to get to the wacky stuff. Sure. But they started the season with, with singing butts. They did. So, I mean, if you, if you didn't know what you were getting into by then, like there were four seasons. I mean, you need to understand what doom patrol is if you're going to watch it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the, I like the idea that there's this shadow figure that we haven't seen yet. And the reason why the doom patrol has stayed young all this time is because there is something about them. That's different. They've been given these, they've been experimented on and they, they have like longevity from what's he, what's he called the mortis. And so, yeah, so like there's an actual reason and now that's being taken away, they're growing older and, you know, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting take on like immortality and superpowers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I will say that, that crazy Jane's eyes were really bothering me. Oh, like the, the weird blue blue ones. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it, it looks like she's 
either done a lot of Botox or she's had some plastic surgery because she's got that Nicole Kidman look to her skin. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 very nostalgic's not the right way, but it's like they're kind of looking back on their lives and trying to figure out how they got there. And, you know, Cliff talking about how he's a horrible parent and, you know, he knows he's a bad person and uh, cyborg reconnecting with his old friends and Rita watching her old movies. And I don't know. Well, it's, it's very much like the, you know, facing their mortality and what they've, they've been missing with their lives and stuff like that. Right. But she didn't like where, right. where, um, they give cliff feeling in one finger and he's like, the only thing I'm going to touch with it is like my, my grandson. my grandson. And the first thing he touches is like guts. Yeah. When he puts his hand through the dude. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Oh God. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like Brendan Fraser in that. I do too. I do too. You see, we're getting a reboot of Mel Brooks' History of the World. I thought this was a sequel. I thought, I thought this was. It's part a limited two. series. It it is part two. Okay, but it's a limited series on Hulu. <clears throat> Are they doing Springtime for Hitler though? No, because that was promised at the end of part one. No, that was Hitler yeah. on ice. Was it Hitler on us? <laughs> wait, what was springtime yes. for Hitler then? Was that in the producers? That was the producers. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yes. Yeah. It's got an interesting cast like Ike Barinholtz and uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen's doing some weird projects these days. He was in, um, oh, what was that movie? The, the, the Fablemans, the, the Steven Spielberg biopic. Yeah. He's in that too. Yeah. And I was like, wow, okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I saw, I think I saw the trailer for History of the World Part 2. Is it on like Hulu or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll probably check that out. Just to see. Give give me something else to watch. You know what I am excited about though? What's that? Night Court. Are you? I am. Okay. I was a huge Night Court fan as a kid. And I don't know. There's something about bringing it back with some of the old cast and new people that I don't know. Just it, I'm really excited about. Yeah. All right. I am excited that we find out that that is not Melissa Rauch's real voice in Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I mean, she gets like, she gets oh, to enter her own voice. That's amazing. And it has John Larroquette. Oh, oh well, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think I'd be nearly as excited if he wasn't in it. Yeah. But the fact that he came back. Uh, I mean, I wonder. 
I wonder if like we'll get um, Richard Mole back at some point, just in like a cameo. I don't know. Is he still alive? I thought he was. Although I could be wrong. Uh, is Marky Post dead? Yes, she died. Uh, Mary Lou, Mary Lou Henner is the other one. Mary Lou Henner wasn't in Night Court. No, but I confuse Mary Lou Henner oh. and Marky Post. Okay. Uh, uh, he's he's still Richard alive, Mall but he's eighty one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and Mac is was no, he's he's still dead around. too. Oh, he did. Yeah, he died because he was on Mom. So must be fairly recently. He yeah. Um, Charles Robinson died in July of 2021. Oh, just last year. Yeah. So, but I think Marsha is Marsha Warfield. She's 68. Uh, yeah. So she could come back as Roz. She could. I think she's her last on-screen role was in 1999. <laughs> well, she's been doing stand-up. And then she was the narrator for a documentary called Homeless in Hollywood. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I was really excited when they brought CSI back, too, and that turned out to be a bit of a disappointment. So I'm, I've got higher hopes for this. I never watched the original CSI. No? No. That was my favorite. Oh, was it now? Yeah. All right. I don't know why. I just did. You don't? Mm-hmm. You know what's coming up at South by Southwest? What? A documentary on the Star Wars holiday special. Really? Yep. <clears throat> what, like, the making of it or the cultural impact of it or what? Uh, Yeah, all of that. They interview people like Seth Green, Weird Al, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried? Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. Apparently they tried to get Cher to be in the special. Oh, really? In the in, in the Star Wars special, and she turned it down. <clears throat> but I would I'm very interested to see what what this is about. Uh, let's see. A Disturbance in the Force is what it's called. It's set to make its premiere at South by Southwest. Uh, it's currently unknown if the documentary will make its premiere and then be made available widely or if it'll play the festival circuit. Um. At some point it's going to be available. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll throw that on, on something. Uh, 
It aired at Thanksgiving in 78 and watched by 13 million people, and it never re-aired. While some fans of the franchise were aware of the dark secret, this bizarre two hours of television still remains relatively unknown among the general public. Uh, talent featured in the documentary includes Seth, Seth Green, Weird Al Yankovic, Taram Killiam, Gilbert Gottfried, Bonnie Burton, Paul Shear, Bruce Falanche, Lenny Rips, Donnie Osmond, and Mickey Herman. Mm. All-star cast. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I had some friends um, before Christmas. We had people over for like a small like Christmas party. And I had made some offhanded joke about the Star Wars holiday special and they had never heard of it before. And like, like the guy was like a big Star Wars fan. I was like, how have you never heard of the Star Wars holiday special? I mean, I can understand if you hadn't seen it and you're probably better off. And so right. then I had to track down, like there was a, there was something on YouTube of like the 10 weirdest things in the Star Wars holiday special. Uh-huh. And so we watched that and they were like in disbelief that that was a real thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, life day. Well, and, and Disney started leaning into life day. They, they sell the red robes and they sell the life day orb. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> it's mentioned in the first season of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's only a matter of time before it shows up on a special, like, like what they did with the Muppet Christmas Carol, where if you go to the Star Wars page on Disney Plus and you go to like special features or something, you'll be able to watch it in HD. Hmm. That would be awesome. I don't know if I could sit through that again. No? No. Oh, come on. It was so bad. It was like a bad Sid and Marty Croft show. I mean, there's like <clears throat> like five minute shots of like lumpy and itchy which one's the grandfather is itchy the grandfather uh yeah where art carney brings him like the sex hologram and it's diane cannon that's diane cannon diane carroll yeah and then like he's watching it and like you can tell that the wookie's getting excited (laughs) <laughs> and then there's there's a whole nother section where I think it's Art Carney brings the kid um, like a transistor radio kit and he sits on the floor and just starts putting it together and it's like an unbroken shot of him putting the stuff together because yeah. they were trying to fill two hours and they didn't have enough like it's bad Well, there is a 4K uh, release of it on YouTube. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Yes. I am still waiting for the Gourmanda action figure. (laughs) That would just, you know, make my life worth living. Would it? (laughs) Yes. And Doc Mena. <laughs> Harvey Corman and B. Arthur. And that's that's the I mean Harvey Corman plays three different roles. Yes. But that's the one where uh-huh. he drinks through the top of his head? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, I mean, for anybody who hasn't seen it, you can go on YouTube and look it up, but it is weird. Just for the kitsch, it's worth watching once. If you can get through it. If you can get through it. (laughs) Now, there's also the Star Wars episode of The Muppet Show. Yes. Which is pretty damn good. Well, because it's the Muppets. Yeah. I mean, how do you go wrong with the Muppets? Well, never mind. Well, I have gone wrong with the Muppets. Uh, <laughs> yes. Never mind. But that was back when, like, Jim Henson actually ran the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a weird Disney thing. I mean, I always did appreciate um, Jim Henson always trying to do weirder things like, you know, Dark Crystal and Labyrinth and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Didn't always have to be the Muppets, but that stuff was good, too. So do you think next year for Christmas we should do like a live like podcast live reading of the Star Wars holiday special? Well, where we watch it and like have to try to sit through it and then comment on it. Hmm. Sure. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Seems like a lot. I have faith in you. (laughs) Really? That's all I'm saying. Yes. Okay. Yes. I have faith that you can make it through. (laughs) And then we'll watch the two Ewok movies. Oh, God. The one with Wilford Brimley. Yeah, what's it? It's it's Battle for Endor and Caravan of Courage. Caravan of Courage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're suddenly the Ewoks are now living on the ground instead of in the trees. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> they were they were their planet was destroyed by the Empire mm. uh, until their bunker got blown up, and then they were like, "Hey, we can live wherever we want." Right. I mean, we don't have to climb the fucking tree. (laughs) We're short. Uh. Oh, that's funny. Actually, you know, I think if, if anybody's on the fence about seeing the holiday special, they have to see it at least for Mark Hamill's makeup. 
Oh my god. He looks like a little girl. I don't know whether or not he had already been in the car accident before that. Think so. How soon did they start filming after A New Hope? I mean, it was it was a year later. Hmm. Okay, so he was involved in a car accident in 1977. So that does explain oh, that was... all oh, the all yeah, the makeup. Probably. On. Okay. Because the holiday special came out in '78. Just cake on the makeup. It's fine. I was going to say, do you think it's spackle? Oh, I'm sure. And under like TV <laughs> lights. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't know. Did Lucas produce the holiday special or did 20th Century Fox produce it? Uh, I thought Lucas was involved. Um, let's see Wikipedia. Uh, so although Lucas is uncredited, it was his idea to build the narrative around Chewbacca's family. CBS hired experienced variety show writers and producers, including Bruce Valanche, who was concerned about the decision to center the special on a species who grunt in a fictional language without subtitles. Regardless, Lucas would not budge on his vision. The special went through two directors. The first, David Acomba, was brought in through an attempt to make us different in variety shows, according to Lippincott, whoever that is. Mm. Akamba, a classmate of George Lucas at USC Film School, was unfamiliar with multiple camera setup, which caused some problems. Uh, Akamba felt also felt that there was a divide between himself and the producers and chose to leave the project after finishing only a few scenes, including the cantina and Jefferson Starship. He was re- replaced by Stephen Binder, who also contact, whose all, only contact with Lucasfilm was a Wookiee Bible detailing how the species should look and behave. Stan Wimson was hired to design the Wookiee family. So it sounds like they kind of took it out of Lucas's hands Mm. and said, we'll do this. Don't worry about it. Apparently the Lego Star Wars holiday special is a life day themed adventure that was released on Disney mm-hmm. plus of in 2020. Yes. <clears throat> but the one good thing to come out of the holiday special. Carrie Fisher singing for no reason. Boba Fett. Well, Boba Fett. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't just remastered that cartoon. It's so weird looking, though. Well, it was Filmation. Yeah, but still. It was 1978. Was it even even Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford? 
Did they do the voices for that? Mm, I don't know. Holiday special cartoon. Oh, okay, let's say animated. Animated part. Uh, uh, the animated section was written by Lucas and produced by Toronto Animation firm Nelvana Limited, which later produced Droids mm. and Ewoks, two Saturday morning series okay. based on the franchise. But I, I can't find anything about the voices. Maybe no one knows. Well, okay, here's an interesting article from March 16th of 2021. Hidden in a list of upcoming editions for April, Disney has confirmed that the story of the faithful Wookiee, which is the animated section, will be part of a swath of Star Wars additions to its streaming service. You might not be familiar with the name, but you'll likely know its origins. The animated segment from the 1978 disaster that is the Star Wars holiday special. The the short watched by Chewbacca's son Lumpawaro as he waits for his father to come home for the Wookiee holiday life day marks the debut of Boba Fett. So the question is, is it on Disney Plus? Disney Plus. Come on. I mean, I guess it would be under Wookiee, right? It's there. Really? It's Star it's vintage Star Wars, the story of the faithful Wookiee. It's nine minutes long. Uh, after Luke and Han succumb to a suspicious sleeping virus, Chewbacca hunts a cure with the help of an unlikely ally, the Boba the bounty hunter Boba Fett. So it is alongside the Clone Wars 2D micro-series, Ewoks, Droids, Ewoks, The Battle Friend Door, Caravan of Courage. Well, there you have it. So it is on... Wow. Look at that. We're just spreading all kinds of holiday post-cheer. That's awesome. Now if they'd release... Star Wars detours. <laughs> well, isn't that special? <laughs> yes, I would like to see the documentary for the holiday special. Yes. It'd be interesting. When is South by Southwest? Uh, March. March. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised there's not like a trailer or anything for it.
Maybe soon. I mean, the poster is very 1978. Yes. Why? Okay. Why is on the poster, is there a dude in a jacket and tie? Am I forgetting part of the holiday special? Harvey Corman's on there three times. Jefferson Starship. B. Arthur. Art Carney, Lumpy, Nala, Itchy. Do you see the poster? I just found it. Okay. Guy in a short. Oh. Down towards the bottom. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank. I have no clue who that's supposed to be. Do you think that's the artist of the poster just stuck himself in it? <laughs> just to see if anybody would, would notice? Would notice? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> it's a very odd poster. Yes. Yes, it's got the weird Mark Hamill, but it's got the even weirder hand-drawn Han Solo. From the Boba Fett cartoon. Yeah, which makes me think that, like... They tried to get rights to Harrison Ford's face, and he was like, no. Oh, could be. You know, Mark Hamill will sell a soul for whatever, but. Yeah. Huh. All right. So there you go. That's coming soon. Yay. Yay. All right. You got anything else for this week? Uh, we could talk about the death of the, ne- the Nepo baby. Oh, uh, Lisa Marie Presley. Yeah. 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 She was at the Golden Globes and seemed a little shaky. Yeah. And then two days later, she was had cardiac arrest and then in the hospital and then dead. Mm-hmm. She was married to not only Michael Jackson but uh, Nicholas Cage as well. Yeah, poor thing. She was so messed up. I mean, she looked messed up at the Golden Globes. Yeah. But, you know, she got to see the movie win for Best Actor or whatever. Yeah. Maybe she felt like, okay, that's all I need now. (laughs) I can die. And did a big line of, you know, coke and seized up. Oh, I hope not. She was the one that took Oprah into the special room at Graceland. Ooh, the boom boom room. <laughs> the 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 uh, where they keep all of the private stash. Oh. Yeah, there's a there's a hidden like vault at Graceland. Um. Well, I mean, they they played off of it in the National Treasure show. Yes. You know, when they go and they steal out of that room 
the real one at Graceland looks nothing like that, but there is a of course not. there is a hidden room at Graceland that has like the most valuable artifacts in it from Elvis. You know, I don't know what happens to all that now, but maybe her stuff gets added to the collection. Ooh. Do you think she gets buried at Graceland next to her dad? Uh, she gets buried next to her son. Oh, her son's dead? Who committed, he committed suicide a couple years ago. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, Lisa Marie refer, referred to it as the pool room. Oh. Okay. That's interesting. Oh no, that's a different room. Oh. That the secret room is the annex. The annex. Okay. Yes. Yep, nobody's allowed in there. Got to the Oprah's Oprah's cameraman had to I guess turn off all their cameras and be blindfolded or something. Why did they have to go in? Well, because they wanted to see the special room. But they were blindfolded and they had no cameras. <laughs> no, they had, they, they turned the cameras on. You can, oh. you, you can see that, that whole thing on um, YouTube. Okay. Because I got curious after the goddamn national treasure episode yeah, and was like, was that real? What they said? Did Oprah actually go into it? And then I watched the clip online, and was like, this looks nothing like what they did on this. And it's not through a closet in the house. No, it's not like Narnia. No. Go through the wardrobe. You come out in a in a jumpsuit. Yeah. It's like that a would be funny. it's like a weird Batman pole. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's Elvis's head and the head goes back and there's a switch in there and then there's a pole and you go down it and you wind up in a sequin jumpsuit and then you can go into the secret room. That's a show. We could do that show. Going into the secret room? Yes. We, we should go on location to Graceland and try to break in using what we learned from National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be around here somewhere. Just start like breaking out like into walls and shit. Yeah. What are you doing? Looking for the secret room. How much time could they possibly give us? Who they? The police. (laughs) When we get arrested. Sure. Oh, that's the pool room. It's got a pool table in it. Oh, is that where the magic happened? Yes. Is that where Elvis would take Lisa Marie's mother, Priscilla, and like bend her over the pool table? Wasn't she only 16 when they got married? I think so. Oh, okay. Now I see the annex. I mean, Priscilla's still alive, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, her face died years ago, but <laughs> she's still alive. Oh, Jesus. He's dead. 
Yes, I know that. TCB, baby. TCB? That was his thing. He had, like, necklaces and rings that had TCB on it. He really liked that yogurt. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) We're talking about Elvis or Jesus now? Elvis. (laughs) Jesus didn't like yogurt. (laughs) Well, what what does TCB stand for? Taking care of business? Taking care of business. Uh-huh. All right. The the country's best. (laughs) With the Memphis Mafia? Yes. But he was a Mason, too, apparently. Is that true? I don't think so. Was Elvis a Mason? Let's see. Uh, I can tell you that Elvis was not a member of any such societies unless perhaps Actors Guild, etc. come under the same umbrella. And this is coming Hmm. from somebody who is a Freemason. So there you go. The internet has to be right, right? That's right. Well, that's funny because the next one down is there's evidence that Elvis studied the Freemasons and their symbols. <laughs> and some suggest he was even a member himself. So it's all up in the air. They might, it might be true. It might be all bullshit. Right. Who knows? Apparently there's several pictures of Elvis doing Mason hand gestures. Uh, that's yeah that's what national treasure says okay and then the illuminati made him famous yes <laughs> and they killed him <laughs> my so after lisa marie died my daughter made a comment about well she died the same way that elvis died and I said, I said, do you know how Elvis died? And she said, no. And I said, well, where did you read that? And she said, somewhere online. I said, so I had to, I had to explain to her how Elvis died. <sighs> Fucking being a parent, man. I tell you. Well, I mean, I mean, technically they both died of heart attacks. Yeah, but he was like bearing down. Well, yeah. Because he couldn't shit. <laughs> And that gave him a heart attack. It was. <laughs> it was. It was the peanut butter and banana sandwiches, man. That shit will yep. block you up. <laughs> so yeah, when one morning I was trying to explain to her how Elvis died. You know. Well, that's exciting. Well, yeah. Well, and then his then his people came in and flushed the toilet because they didn't want anybody to see what was in there. Which was weird. It was a baby. <laughs> he had been pregnant. <laughs> he had been pregnant and didn't know it. <sighs> I mean, if Elvis hadn't died, he would have been perfect fodder for a reality show. Oh, God, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, reality TV would have started years earlier. 
mm-hmm. and it would have been like following Elvis, or he would have he would have been one of those those acts that you went to see in Vegas. Where oh, by the time by the time it was over, he was you know small cafe. <laughs> you know, probably actually marrying people somewhere at a chapel. Right, right. You know, doing all the shit. Yep. Well, it's a good thing he died when he did. <laughs> Saved him that indignation. Instead of dying on the toilet. Instead of dying on the toilet, oh, yes. Oh, man. Poor guy. He wouldn't have went quietly. Apparently he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, after the thump. (laughs) Oh, man. Good times. Yep. Well, that seems like a good place to end it. (laughs) I think it does. Uh, All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. This is John. Have a good week. Consider the butts wiped, front to back.